1: Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases, and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
2: Hi guys, and welcome back to another new episode of Couch Talks. My name is Kat, and I am the host of Uni Therapy. And Couch Talks is the bonus episode of Uni Therapy where I answer questions that you guys send in to me at catherine at unitetherapypodcast And today's the day where I answer some of those questions. So. Before we get started, let me remind you that this is not therapy. This is just a podcast where a therapist is talking about feelings and things and answering some questions, but not giving therapy via podcast because we know by now that's impossible. So today we have two questions. I try to stick to two. We always keep them anonymous and I think we should just get right into it. So here's the first question. Hey, Kat. I have a question about dating. I've been dating a guy for about six months now, and I wouldn't say things are going great, but I wouldn't say things are going bad. I'm not in a rush to get married and have kids. My question is kind of the opposite. How do you know if it's time to break up or move on in a relationship if it isn't bad? I don't exactly know how to describe the dynamic, but nothing is wrong per se. Could this be like an avoidant attachment thing? How can you tell if it's just not the right person? Thank you. Love the podcast. All right. All right. Fantastic question. And, you know, as always, I can't tell you exactly what to do here or exactly the answer here, but we can talk about what's going on. And there's a huge difference in somebody just not being the person for you and somebody being avoidant and somebody acting out of an insecure avoidant attachment wound you're going to have to ask yourself a lot of questions. I think it's really interesting and it's something that we really should talk about more of. What does it mean if a relationship isn't really good, but if it isn't really bad? Okay. There could be so much in that. Are you bored? Do you find him annoying or do you find that person just blah? There's so much in that. What makes it Okay. What do you do? You like anything about it? And what does good versus bad even mean? Like, what does a good relationship to you? What does that look like? What does a bad relationship look like? Because that's all subjective, um, based on what you've seen, what you've experienced, and all of that. Something that I love to remind people, and I love to encourage people as they begin dating and even into the dating process, because I think especially in the beginning of the dating process, and this is six months, is still kind of new, depending on what you believe, but there's this like rush to figure it out a lot of times. So it's like, I dated this guy. I don't know if I like him or not. I dated this guy. I don't know if I want to be in a relationship with him. I'm dating this guy. I met this guy. I met this girl. I met this person, whoever it may be. And there is this innate, like immediate feeling that I have to figure out if I want to keep dating this person. So then I can figure out if I want to marry this person. That's what it feels like a lot. And so I like to ask people or remind people that you don't have to know anything right now you don't have to know if you want to spend the rest of your life with that person what you have to know and what the question you need to ask yourself is do I want to see them again it's not can this person be the parent to my children it's not does this person want to move to the same city I will want to move to in five years it's not any of that it's do I want to see this person again do I want to spend time with this person again okay if the answer is yes keep doing it if the answer is no then maybe we need to talk about why that's a no and that's maybe a clue to you. But there's a lot of pressure to just figure things out. Now, the other thing here is what I hear in this question is there is a hesitancy to make sure you are not running away from a relationship because that's where I got that from the is this an avoidant attachment thing versus it's just not the right person. Well, there's so much more to that, but somebody acting out of an avoidant attachment is Somebody who is probably afraid of the level of intimacy or seriousness or expectation that the relationship is offering or carrying as you move forward. So, in the beginning of a relationship, everything can be fine because there's not really a lot of expectations. We're just having fun. And the more serious it gets, that's when the avoidance stuff pops up because it's not just about spending time and hanging out and and doing fun things and dating it becomes about a relationship and being intimate and needing and providing things to other people and being vulnerable and when we become super vulnerable with people then the rejection and the ability to be hurt becomes bigger and when we're acting out of avoidant attachments we don't do those things we just leave before we have to feel feelings so I can't tell you if you're acting out of that or not. But what I can encourage you to do is read some books. And if you are in therapy, talk about it with your therapist. Listen to the Attachment 2.0 podcast, although it sounds like you already did. And maybe identify if that's even where you lean on your attachment scale. So do that first. Figuring this out is can be challenging. And there's just a lot of questions that I would ask and I would encourage you to ask. Is the pool to stay in the relationship stronger? Is the pool to leave the relationship stronger? What's scary about leaving this relationship? What's scary about staying in this relationship? What's exciting about leaving the relationship? What's exciting about staying in the relationship? What do I really enjoy about this person? What do I feel is missing from this relationship? So once you answer all those questions, you're gonna have much more information rather than just, it's not going great, but it's not going bad. I don't really know what that means. (laughs) And I'm sure you didn't give me all the details because you're just sending me an email and asking a question. But I think when you're asking how do you know, well, you have to pull in some more information. So pull in some more information. And then once you see that, and maybe you write it down, it's really helpful to have things written down on paper. So you can actually see and it's not cycling in your head. Once it's written down, you can look at it and you can say, oh, okay, so this information is actually what I'm dealing with. Is this the relationship that I wanna be in? And then there's the other part. I said this kind of in the beginning of answering this, but a good relationship for one person might not be a good relationship for somebody else. We all have different levels of desires and wants and needs and and ideals and relationships. And one person might say, oh man, I would just die if I was in that relationship. That, they must be this or that, but that might be somebody's ideal. So it also comes down to your preferences and what your desires for a relationship and what your desires for your life look like. So write those down and then does the relationship you have match that? So I'd be interested in once you have all that stuff down and once you look at that, what comes up in you?
0: Turn your passion into a career.
1: Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks,
2: It's got standard third row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I think it's time we move on to our next question. Hi, Kat. I hope this email finds you well. I've been listening to your podcast recently, and I just wanted to say thank you. My mother was a marriage and family therapist and I lost her about three years ago. Listening to you brings me comfort. I think it's because it reminds me of all the talks I had with my mother growing up. We used to sit and talk for hours about life and I miss those moments so much. Listening to you makes me feel close to her, so thank you. I had a question that maybe you could answer on one of your Q&A episodes. It's about living in the past. Why do people struggle with living in the past and letting the past go and moving on? I had to move out of my home state when my mom passed away abruptly, and even though it's been three years, I still find myself wishing I was part of my old life, the life I had before everything changed. I feel guilty about it because I have an amazing husband and a beautiful daughter who I love dearly. But for some reason, my mind always wanders back to daydreaming about the past, past friendships in my hometown, past memories, what I would be doing if I still lived there, etc., Life has changed since then. My life is so different now, so I know deep down, nothing will go back to how it was. Why is it so hard to accept and move on? Anyways, just something that's been on my mind. If you've already touched base on something similar, let me know and I'll tack it down. Thank you again. Wow. I mean, first off, I want to say I'm so sorry. So, so sorry for your loss. And I can't imagine what you might be feeling still after three years. I don't think we can put a timeline on that kind of stuff. And losing a parent is one of the strangest and toughest things to, to cope with. So I am so sorry. I am grateful for your question though. So let's get into it. To start as well, I want to say it is okay that you look back on your old life and miss it. That doesn't mean you don't like your new life or the life you have now or that you're ungrateful. It just means you liked how things were before. That's it. And you can both miss your old life and Love the one you have right now at the same time. They don't cancel each other out. And that goes for all people and all things. Also, I want to say up top, since this is a little, not a little, a lot about grief, grief has no end, right? There's not like a finish line to grief, which is confusing to some people. There's literally no end goal. It is something that just kind of lives forever and changes as time moves. And the process is different for everyone. To me, three years is not a long time, especially when coping with the death of a parent, especially a parent that you have a really close bond with. I would assume that if my mom died suddenly, it would take me much longer than three years to stop wishing life was back to what it was before she passed, if that ever changed. I also think it's important to note here that we can accept the changes that our grief brings, but that doesn't mean we forget about parts of our life right? So we can accept the change in our life. It doesn't mean we erase that part of our life from our brains. Healing doesn't mean we erase things from our brains. It means we learn how to live within and with the circumstances that life has dealt to us. So when things and stories and parts of our past pop back up, it doesn't mean we're doing a bad job of moving forward. That doesn't mean that at all. It means exactly what you're thinking. You really like that part of your life and you wish it didn't end. That doesn't mean, like I said before, that you don't like what you have now, or that what you have now isn't good. And also I have to say this because I bet some people may be feeling it, it is okay to like one part of your life more than the other. It is what it is. Like we can't change that and that's not a bad thing. Like people have preferences. If, if you don't attach a ton of meaning to that situation, it's natural for humans to have preferences and that includes different stages of life. I know when I look back at my life, I can pick parts of my life I liked better than others. That's okay. You don't have to like the part of your life you're in now more than every other part. Now let's talk about the specific question here that you asked why do people struggle with living in the past and letting go and moving on and of course i don't think there's one answer here i think there are so many reasons we could be living in the past but i also think a lot of those reasons come down to something that ties them all together and that is the fact that we all have an imagination and we all as humans are hardwired for wonder and we are hardwired to use that part of our brain our imagination now, our brains have this insane ability to just cook up millions of scenarios and stories at once about whatever we want. And it's really quite amazing. It is quite, quite amazing. And I will say this. I want to add that depending on trauma and what you've been through and, and if you're struggling with PTSD and all of that, that does affect your imagination and that can affect that part of your creative brain. And so sometimes we get stuck And our brain can't create more stories and we stay rooted in one story. So that's one area that I'm not going to get super into. But I did want to say that because I think sometimes people can't get past the past because they've been traumatized and they're stuck there. And it is their current present. And that's one, how do I say that? I guess an extreme version of why do people get stuck. But if we're talking about just generally, because I think a lot of people do this who who don't have PTSD, that has to do with the fact that we wonder a lot and our brains can make stories. And so sometimes when we are talking about living in the past and what life would have or could have been, we are living into that just all of those stories that we were able to make up. And when we get to do that, we can bypass some of the pain and dissatisfaction or even discomfort that may be lingering in our present moment. So if there is part of our life today that feels ick or not good enough or just dissatisfied with, what our brains can do is they can go and create all these stories We can go into the present or we can go into the past and we can do a lot of what ifs or it could have been or it should have been. We can create a lot of those stories and it helps us cope. What that is, is, it's a coping mechanism. We get to play a game where bad things don't happen and good things are the majority and that feels really good. I also talk about something I like to call rosy retrospect quite often in sessions with clients. I'm not sure if we've ever talked about it on the podcast, but this usually gets tied into past relationships or people who are struggling finding sobriety from any kind of addiction that they are struggling with. What this is, is when we do this thing where we look back on parts of our lives and we make the usual unconscious, usually unconscious choice to only remember the good parts. So, we'll remember partying and and maybe we're struggling with drinking and we'll remember partying and having fun and we'll forget about the hangovers or getting sick or the anxiety you felt the next day or certain decisions or certain fights that happened. Or you'll look back on a relationship and you'll remember the trips and the banter and the sexual chemistry and you'll forget about the feeling you had of being disposable or manipulated or just being sad or feeling worthless or the fights or any of that. So we do this thing where we have rosy retrospect and we'll go back to our past, but we'll only let our brains go to the good parts and we'll convince ourselves that that was better. That was good. That's what we want. And that's why a lot of us get stuck in, like I said, past relationships and wonder and and, and ruminating in them. And it's hard for a lot of people to make necessary changes to move forward in their present when it comes to struggling with addiction or icky coping skills because we can look back and we only remember the stories that we like and we stay rooted in those stories. And so that can even be tied to what we're kind of talking about today with this um, listener's current situation is you look back on this part of your life and you're, you're remembering all of the good things like the times with your mom, your friends, certain things that you did, but you're not picking up and remembering all the times you felt like you feel now right? You're going back and you're only picking up like the gold pieces. Now, to me, this specific scenario has more to do with grief than just living in the past. Losing a parent, especially one you have such a strong bond with, is like I said earlier, one of the hardest things in the world to experience. And I'm just going to assume that it's still hard. And I don't know that this is something that ever gets easier. Um, you just find ways to cope. And we are talking about straight up about grief right here. And grief is a process that pulls us all over the place. And when we can't get past acceptance, which is part of the grief process, it's, it's one of the stages when we can't move through that, we can get rooted in what we used to have, what life looked like before the tragedy or the event. So living in the past becomes that coping skill. It becomes a skill to cope with your grief. And the thing is you need coping skills because acceptance is hard. It's like the worst thing. If I didn't have to acknowledge certain things that have happened in my life and I could allow them to have not have happened, I would do that. The problem here is that, and the problem that I am interpreting here is that because you are coping in this way by living in the past and kind of toying around with some of that rosy retrospect, you are missing out or you're afraid you are missing out on good that you know you have in front of you. And it's causing you some guilt, right? And this would be my encouragement to sit and answer for yourself the question that you asked me at the end. And that question was, I know deep down, nothing will go back to how it was. So why is it so hard to accept and move on? Because I bet if you really sat and if you asked yourself, you would come up with an answer to this question. And that's usually most of the questions that people ask me in general, especially in my office. If I ask it right back to them, they eventually could answer it right? So, if you sat down and you asked yourself this question, I bet you could come up with an answer, a much more specific and real answer that I can provide for you because I'm not in your brain and I'm not feeling your stuff and I haven't lived your life. Now, I would also add in there, like, what is hard to accept about your life now? If you were to accept um, the present moment, what's hard about that? And if you knew, if you knew what is hard about accepting your life, would that actually make it easier for you to accept it or would it just be information? Because I also think there's a more important question lying inside this entire dialogue. And that is, what do I need? We're not asking for whys. We're asking, what do I need in order to honor the parts of my life that I miss and enjoy the gifts in my present at the same time? Instead of asking that question, why? Ask yourself the question, what? What do I need in order to honor the parts of my life that I miss and I'm grieving and enjoy the gifts in my present? And I think that's going to lead you to more of a healing process than any psychological digging of the brain that I can offer you. That's where we're going to end this one. And I'm just going to offer you those questions to sit down and take some time to answer for yourself and don't force them. Find yourself in a space where you feel open and and available and, and just maybe do some journaling about those things and see what comes up. Okay. And that wraps up this episode of Couch Talks. Thank you guys for being in this with me. As always, thank you for the questions. If you have one, send it to katherine at com. Follow me and the podcast Kat. Defada and Therapy Podcast on Instagram and have the rest of the week that you need to have. Bye, guys.